0: I've had two fathers in my life, my biological dad and my stepdad. When I was four years old, my biological dad, Frank Robodu, passed away. And my stepdad married my mom when I was six years old. And the way my dad passed was one morning I woke up and I found out that he had had a heart attack in the bathroom. He was in the bathroom locked the door And my mom heard her make a noise, and she couldn't get into the bathroom. And uh, the only thing I remember, actually, of my dad was when the ambulance was taking him away. And I remember asking him, I was four, asking the paramedics, where are you taking my dad? And they said, to heaven. And I remember thinking they were just going to put him in the ambulance and fly off to heaven. And that's my only memory of my dad. Uh, My mom always fought with that situation, and so much that she drilled it into me my whole life not to lock the door when I went to the bathroom because of just that concern. That built in her, that moment built in her a fear of powerlessness and unable to rescue the ones that she loved. I'm telling this story because we all deal with fears, and I want to share a little bit of how to overcome some fears, some fears of the past, and things that stop us from moving forward because we all deal with things failures struggles situations we were not able to control or fix and they can build a natural fear in us that's not healthy that actually limits us in our future and i know the holy ghost if you spend time praying in tongues then he'll walk with you and and begin to help you to overcome those fears i remember i was preaching up in canada i was young i was in my early 20s and invited my mom and dad to come. And we got hotel rooms right next to each other. And Sunday morning, early, I was getting up and getting ready. I was in the bathroom. There was a you know bedroom, hotel bedroom and a bathroom. And my parents were right next to me. And I was shaving and showering and shaving and getting ready. And all of a sudden, I heard this commotion. And I opened up the bathroom door. They had unlocked the door but i had the padlock the inner padlock on the door and there was my mom in her uh, pjs and my dad and the manager trying to bust down the door well what had happened was while i was shaving i always like hit the the side of the sink with the razor blade to kind of get help it get clean my mom was in the bathroom right next to me with that thin wall, and she heard tap, 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 And her mind raced in fear that I had had a heart attack and was laying on the bathroom floor like my dad. And I was sending out an SOS signal to her, Mama, help me, rescue me. Mama, I need you. And so she went in the panic mode. She first called my room, which, of course, I didn't hear because I was in the bathroom getting cleaned up for the service, getting prettied up. And uh, so they called and called, and my dad came around, and Mom knocked on the door, and I didn't answer. And so they called the manager, and finally they got the manager to come up, talked him into breaking in, and they were about to bust in the door when I finally heard them. And I was totally fine. There was nothing there at all. I was just shaving. Well, my mom, because of the fear, panicked. And went all the way back to that emotion of failure and unable to rescue someone she loved. And here she thought I was sending an SOS signal. I share that story because that tells us how there could be something that happened 20 years earlier that you thought you were done with and over with, and then something happens today that brings up all those emotions. Now, those emotions, they're not from your spirit man, they're from your natural man. And your natural soul is just trying to rescue you or try to fix things, but your natural soul does not know how to rescue you. The only one who knows how to rescue you is the Holy Ghost. When you pray in tongues, this is why it's so important to have a healthy lifestyle, spending time praying in tongues every day the Holy Spirit, that allows the Holy Spirit to begin to help you to see those areas that you think aren't there and to begin to expose them and then to have you mortify them so they don't limit you in your future. Because the devil will use it to limit you in your future. I had a situation one time, oh, probably six horrible months where there's a lot of death around me. I remember we had a, a baby coming to the church for prayer and the baby died in the service. And, uh, it was just a horrible experience. We believed and did everything we could. And it was a last chance kind of situation. One that when we're in revival, we won't have failure. We'll have victory every time. And then I found a, a good friend of mine passed away. And, and I was the one who found him. And uh, a few other like death situations over a six month period. And I found myself without realizing it for about a year. I didn't realize it was there. It's, it's sneaky and creepy, but fear had entered into my heart about my own demise. And I would, every day, every night, just had a, an inkling, a feeling that I was going to pass away that night or that day. And, and I didn't realize, it. I didn't catch it. And I'm a preacher, and I wasn't smart enough or sharp enough to catch it until the Holy Ghost helped me to realize, hey, this thing's trying to get roots in you. You need to turn around and fight it and get it out of you before it gets roots in you and begins to limit your future. And, I mean, I'd have thoughts at night when I went to bed. i think, well, praise God if I wake up. And silly things, all built on a fear that's a lie, and always creeping into my heart, into my life. And so I want to just share an old-fashioned message today, one where we go to the Old Testament, and we're going to watch someone who was limited in the way he saw himself and worked with God to get rid of that limitation and worked with God to be brave and strong and fulfill his calling. And I'm talking about Gideon. Now, there's many, many in the Old Testament examples we can use. Moses, he was raised in Egypt. I mean, raised in the, in the world of worlds and raised in the finances and the prosperity and in the Egyptian gods. And he had to overcome all of that to become the Moses who led the people out of Egypt. You know, David overcame things. Elijah overcame things. Elijah, he went from being a great prophet who stood before 800 prophets of Baal and challenged them to their death in one without fear at all. And then a little woman, Jezebel, sends him a note that I'm going to kill you. And he runs in fear. And so much that uh, he ended up having to train his replacement, that he ran away in fear, had a great victory. And I know myself, I've had those situations where I'm strong, strong, strong in some areas, but in other areas I find a hidden fear and a weakness. And, And we don't know why Elijah had a fear of Jezebel, but was able to withstand 800 prophets face to face without one ounce of fear in him. We don't know what's in us, what happened in the past, and this isn't a message of psychology. Psychology can explain some things, but it will never get you free. It can help, but it will never get you free. This is a message to say, sure enough, there's things in us that want to limit our future. Things from the past that maybe we forgot about, that we, we got through, but they left little seeds of doubt and fear and roots in our hearts. And it's important, it's so important that every one of us will go down this path if we spend time praying. And I don't want you surprised when the Holy Ghost begins to expose some of those things in, uh, in you and say, now see this? I see it, you may not see it, but I see it, and I want you to begin to deal with it. And I'm not asking you to go hunting down all your past mistakes or failures or fears or experiences and try to analyze it and say, okay, this is why I do this, this is why I do that. That's silliness. We want to say, I don't give it a right, my past, my flesh, I do not give it a right to tell me who I am. I'm a child of God, I'm free, and I'm well able to do all that God has for me. And so we don't allow our past and the things we're going through to tell us who we are, to make excuses that stay the same, to justify failings or sin today. We tell our flesh and our weaknesses, you don't tell me who I am anymore. Your past mistakes, your past voices, you turn to them and you say, you don't tell me who I am. You don't pet them. You don't. Hold on to them because sometimes it's easy to hold on to past fears because they justify us today. I know many people, when trying to get help, they begin to tell me the reason why they are the way they are. And really, they're just trying to make an excuse. They've analyzed it. They figured out why they are going through things, but they're holding on to it and and see if I hold on to it. That justifies me not dealing with it today. But we're victorious. We're strong we're warriors for God, we're soldiers for God, we're children of God, and and we don't allow the old to dictate to us who we are, or to justify it. We need to be fighters, to say, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of holiness, and I will not allow my past to tell me who I am anymore. So we're going to read a little bit about the mighty man Gideon, and just learn from his story. I got six points, that's why I call it a an old-timey sermon, because I got, actually got six points. And we're going to learn from these few chapters here the process that Gideon went through, that God took Gideon through. and And I believe that the Holy Spirit will allow us to go through the same process to where we go from being in fear in us, controlling us, limiting us, to walking in the fullness of who we are in victory. And to do that, we have to get the fear out and see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, fear is an illusion. It's, there's no rea- reality in fear. There's no truth in fear. or It's it's a lie. And so it's like you walk into a room and there's a great big ugly monster with a sword and a big teeth and angry looking. And the job of fear is to get you to stop. Stop where you are. You're going to die. That's the job of fear, to get you and I to stop moving forward. And if we allow fear to rule us, we'll stop. And many Christians pray for the the thing they're afraid of to go away. God, make that go away. I command it to go. And every time they open their eyes, there's that fear. And it will control your whole life. Fear is an illusion. There's no truth to it, but it looks real. It smells real. And it feels like you're going to die. But the way we have to conquer fear is we have to step towards it. In obedience to God, and faith to God, many Christians, when I explain this, they don't understand it. They think, well, we should be afraid of anything. Well, half the things I've done for God, I've been fearful that I was going to fail. I only did it out of obedience. It wasn't because I was brave or courageous or had no fear. As they say, courage, <laughs> courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is when you face your fear. And so... I found that fear is an illusion. You don't know it until you step towards it. And when you step towards it, step by step, you begin to discover it's all a lie. There's no truth to it. And that the Word of God is truth. But this fear, this emotion of fear, because emotions come with it, and it makes sense. And logic comes with it from the natural man. It makes sense, but it's all a lie. And as you walk towards it, you'll find out it's just an illusion that was sent there to stop you. To make you stop moving forward. And we don't ever stop moving forward because we're soldiers for the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk about Gideon. I'll give you my six points. And hopefully this will bless you today. I'm in Judges chapter 6 and we're going to start in verse 11. Praise God for victory in every area of our lives. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. Now I'm going to slaughter a lot of names here. You just have to forgive me. Which belonged to Joash the Abrazite. While the son of Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So the Midianites were going around destroying things. And Gideon's hiding the wheat in the winepress. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, "O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. This is what many times we as Christians start to turn our heart to when things don't go well. We begin to blame God. We begin to question God's word, question his faithfulness. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? (laughs) That sounds like God to me when you complain to him and he tells you, You're the answer. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't look at me, God. Look at someone else. I'm just complaining. So I said to him, "O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Messiah, and I am the least in my father's house." So the image that he had of himself was, "I'm part of a family that's the least of this crew, and I'm the least in my family. So pick someone else. Remember when God picked David to be king? It wasn't his brothers, like everyone thought it was him? God picks you for different reasons than the world does. And the image that uh, Gideon had was one of, I'm the least of the least. So therefore, don't expect me to do anything. But the Lord saw in him things that Gideon had not seen yet, and he needed Gideon to see those things. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not part from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring you out an offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll wait until you come back. So Gideon, verse 19, went in and presented a young goat and he unleavened bread from the, an ephora flower. The meat he brought in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought them out of him unto the terebinth tree, and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, and lay them on the rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight." Now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. I think someone needs to hear that today. Do not fear, peace be with you, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace so that's my point number one the Lord is peace that we must as we make this process make the Lord our peace not the absence of fear we walk sometimes not from a place of being on top we've got all the money all the finances all the health everything's great but really sometimes we lead from the bottom where we're lacking in things we lack in finance we lack we're constantly leaning on God to help us to walk with us and so the Lord has to be your peace, not the absence of fear. We have to put our heart to God and say God your word is true everything else is a lie every emotion is a lie. so that's number one to this day it is still in Oprah on. Of the Abazites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among the servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the man of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Now that's a big point because he was still afraid, but he still did it. And he didn't do it perfectly, but he still did it. Don't wait till you're perfect, just do your best to obey. And when the man of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it. It was cut down and the second bowl was offered on the altar which had been built. So that's point number two. If you're going to put God as your peace, the next step is to remove the altar of your past. And like I said before, sometimes we hold on to our past as a comfort. And we hold on to our past as a way of justifying who we are today. Yes, your past definitely has a lot to do with who you are and what your struggles may be, but they do not have the power to tell you who you are. And so if you're just born again, I could totally understand someone saying, well, this happened to me, this happened to me. But we have so many people today that have a little glimpse of psychology where they begin to analyze, yeah, this happened to me as a kid, that happened to me, my my mom did this, my dad did this. I failed, and so that's why I am the way I am. That's why I struggle. Well, okay, you're struggling, but you're not to struggle just to keep struggling. We're to struggle till we kick it in the rear and get it out of our life. It should not and cannot limit your life. Your past cannot limit it. So we've got to tear down that altar and and say, my past has no power to tell me who I am. I do not give it any power, any rights, to dictate to me what I can do and who I can become. Because I belong to the Lord. That's number two. I'm going to skip down for time. Let's go down to verse 36. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece a bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, "Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more." Let me re- test. I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let it be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Now this is my number th- point number three. It's okay to ask God questions. I know that coming from a strong faith background... This is a no-no, testing God, questioning God. Just believe the Word and walk it out. And I I tend to live like that the best I can. But when you're coming out of things and you have questions, maybe you're not sure it's God, or maybe you're just trying not to be too ambitious. Because remember, this is a path that we have, where you have the Holy Ghost walking with you, if you're praying in tongues. Gideon did not have the Holy Ghost on the inside. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside and praying in tongues, which means that you have a special helper to lead you through these steps. And so as you're walking out and into something, maybe you're concerned that you won't make it, or you're trying to do it in your own ability, it's okay for you to have questions. God will not rebuke you. He will not think little of you. You're not going to jinx it. It's okay to have questions. It's okay. God's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of where we are in our faith. His heart is to come and join us where we're at and walk us stronger and stronger. So that next week, next month, next year, you're different than you are today. That's his goal. Not perfection today, but to meet you where you're at, to have an open heart, to let God walk with you. Chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and and encamped beside the well of Herod. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. Now that's interesting. Too many, I would be rallying as many people as I could. The Lord said again, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites to your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. This tells you the same thing, that God is your victory, not your strength, not your great willpower, not your great ability, your great discipline, God. God, thank you, God, that you're all I need. Thank you God that I don't have to be strong when I'm weak, you are strong. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 people turned and 10,000 remained. This is point number four. This is a tough one for many people. Let God limit your natural ability to fix it. You'll find as you let the Holy Ghost lead you that when you come to a fight, most of the time, you come up with ideas in your natural mind how to fix it. And He'll say, no, that's not what I want. And the way He has for you to fix it may seem odd, awkward, the wrong way in your mind. But God has the way to fix it. So, you have to allow God to limit your natural ability to fix your fear, to face your fear. You can't get this victory by listening to self-help tapes. Uh, they can motivate you to pray. those That's encouraging. They can motivate you to keep going, but they can't motivate you to have a true victory of mortification. That's only through the Spirit. So I like self-help tapes in the right place, but they will not get you to a victory. But the Lord said to Gideon, now he's got 10,000. These people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that those who I say to you, This one go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, the one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. So everyone who lick the water out of their mouth, like a dog would, you'll set them apart. And everyone else who gets down and kneel, so they kneel on the on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, put in their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink the water. So out of 10,000 people... 300 did it the way God suggested would be the right way. And that's point number five, is to let God strip all the fear off of you. And I say that because someone told me one time an idea why this was important. And it was, if you're a real fighter, you're always watching for the enemy, so you don't put your head down. To drink, it's like when you have uh, those karate tournaments, they bow their head down, but they keep their eye on you. And it's because you always keep your eye out for the enemy. And the men who brought their hand to their mouth, they were ready to fight. They were looking around, looking for the enemy, while the rest were okay with letting someone else do that. Now There's lots of possibilities. But I'm using this old-fashioned message to say, number five is to let God help you strip all fear that you're alone, that you're by yourself. You are not alone in your life to have to face everything and figure things out. You have a Father who loves you. Now, the world, they don't have a Father like you do. The world does not have a Father who thinks about them every day, who helps them figure out their problems. The world does not have that. You have that. You're born of God. You have a Father that knows your future, knows the plans for you, knows your past is not afraid of you, not afraid of your mistakes you have a Father who loves you and is for you not against you and so because of that we need to know that we are not alone you're not alone you're not alone to figure it out you don't have to self-analyze, just pray in tongues pray in tongues let the Holy Spirit begin to help you day by day begin to face things that you didn't know were there you're not alone. And the number of those who lapped, put in their hands to their mouth, was about 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their hands and knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the Lord took provisions and their trumpets, in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Now, if you're going to underline something, that's a good one to underline that I have delivered it into your hand. Remember, the Lord will walk you through this and be the one who does the fighting. He just needs you to join him in obedience and not run away. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Peor, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Piora his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. So this is thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of men, warriors and 300 vagabonds. And their camels were without number as a sand by the seashore in multitude. We're talking about maybe a 100,000. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to the, the companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and over and turned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, "This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp." It's interesting how they thought of Gideon as a great warrior, and Gideon did not think of that himself. Isn't that like most of us, when people give us a compliment, sometimes we think, you're talking about me? You think I'm strong? You think i got courage? Wow, I didn't realize that. Well, the way that the enemy thought of Gideon was he's God's man. He's God's man, a mighty warrior, and, and Gideon didn't think like that. Oh, help us to grow up and think the way God thinks about us. It save us a lot of wasted time. Verse 14, Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered the Midianites and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and his interpretation that was worshipped, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of the Midianites into our hands. That he divided the three hundred men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in each man's hand and the empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch when I come to the edge of the camp. You shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and a hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, and they held the torches in their hand and the trumpets in their right hand for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion through the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Achaia towards Zerah and as far as the border of Abel, Moriah, and Tabith. So now they got their victory. And this is number six. is to celebrate the victory. So many times we have a saying in my ministry, about getting free from things. And if we focus on just the fruit of brokenness in our life, we're constantly cutting the fruit off and feeling free for a season until it regrows another fruit. In my ministry, my heart of hearts is long-term freedom to where instead of just cutting down the fruit and focusing so much on the fruit... You let the Holy Ghost take you to the root of that tree that's producing brokenness, desires for sin, fear, all those things. You let the Holy Ghost take you there where you killed the root. If you kill the root, there'll never be any more fruit to worry about. And that's a real victory. That's a lifelong victory. And this is a celebration we're looking for, not just a, I made it through today. Praise God, I didn't die but a victory where you've actually changed. And that thing that was hidden in your flesh, the Holy Ghost helped you to find it, encouraged you how to mortify it and kill the root of it so it's no longer in there, which means you're no longer controllable by the enemy. And so this is a celebration that we are after. It's not so much one of, I got a victory today, although we celebrate that. But if you only go day to day and deal with the fruit you're always staying the same, fighting the same thing. And there may be a day you get tired that you lose. But if we, you let the Holy Ghost, through prayer, take you down, and He'll help you. You don't have to hunt down all your weaknesses. You don't have to make a list. Alan's good stuff, Alan's bad stuff. If you do that, you'll spend a lot of time fighting the fruit of your flesh. But if you just pray in tongues and do what He tells you to, and step out when He tells you to, you'll find that He's helping you to deal with the very root of brokenness and fear, failures of the past that are hidden deep inside your natural emotions. And with His help, you'll be able to kill it. You'll mortify it. You'll put it to death. And it will no longer control you. That's the celebration we're after, that I have won in this area. And now I can move on, the Holy Ghost can help me move on to the next area. So please remember that all fear is just an illusion. It doesn't disappear. We're not to live a a life of faith where I step out in faith because there's no fear. Much of walking in faith is walking towards the fear with the help of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, step by step and not giving up. And I'll, I'll close with this, don't you give up. You may have tried to change a hundred times, a thousand times. You maybe have failed a million times to the same area, the same struggle. And I'm here to tell you, to prophesy to you, don't give up. Take the Lord of peace and know that you will not die with this. You will overcome this. Keep praying in tongues. Let the Holy Ghost have a chance with you. Do you understand? He's God. He's been around forever. He knows you. He knows your struggles. He's not afraid of you nor embarrassed by your past. Give Him a chance. Spend time praying in tongues. Give Him a chance to work with you, to help you, to reshape you into the child of God that you are and not the child of the world anymore. Give your Father a chance to work with you. Don't do it alone. Too many Christians, they they're afraid to let go of the control of their life. So they develop a relationship with God where they serve Him, they do things for Him, but they never allow Him to get intimate with them. And what you'll find is you build a relationship with God and He'll take it, but you're in charge. And you get to hide all your fears and insecurities because you may be afraid He'll reject you. But when you get intimate with God, it makes you very vulnerable where He can see every crevice, every part of your heart every hidden sin, and you're not afraid of Him, because you know He's for you, not against you. That He believes in you, He's got great things. God has great things for you, for your future, but you won't be able to get there if you don't allow Him to help you to get past the past, to hunt down, sniff out these past fears that are are in there, rooted in your heart, where you don't even know they're there, but they will pop up and limit you in the future. I had to do this many times with many errors in my life, some small, some big. We're winners. We're victorious in God. And please, please, please keep praying in tongues, allowing the Holy Spirit to help you walk through the path of being broken and afraid and hiding from things to where you're victorious and even saying, the Lord is here, the sword of the Lord, and the sword of Alan is here. You know, Gideon went from being I'm the least of the least. You're wasting your time with me, God. Don't even try. To announcing and and yelling to the army, the enemy, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon is here. You better run. You better run, sucker, because we're here to, to win. And even he didn't know how he was going to win. He just marched towards the army. Tens of thousands of people marched towards them with his little 300 people and was yelling, I'm here with God. That's the victory. That's the transformation that's ahead of you. The area that you used to rule you, you will rule over it. Let's keep praying in tongues. Let's keep believing for the best. Know that God loves you. I love you. Thank you for spending time with me today. God bless you.